We're pleased to be joined on the line now by Jerome Small. Jerome is a former construction worker and a candidate for the North Metro region for the Victorian Socialists in the upcoming Victorian state election happening in November. Jerome, thanks so much for joining us today. Cheers. Thank you, Alex. And yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Now, we're going to sort of have a bit of a broad-ranging discussion, time permitting, but I wanted to start with a dispute happening at the Canalfa Plasterboard Company in Port Melbourne. Canalfa, for those who haven't heard of the company, is one of the biggest plasterboard manufacturers in the world. And the workers there rejected an enterprise bargaining agreement and uh, had voted to go on an industrial action. The next thing that happened is the boss locked them out of the workplace and they've been uh, on picket since September 16th, fighting for better pay as well as a limit uh, on the issue of uh, casual and, and labour hire. I thought we'd start as uh, with this dispute, uh, Jerome, as a, something of a microcosm of, of what's uh, increasingly happening a, a across uh, the, the, the country. But the specifics of the dispute, pay rise and, and into uh, use of casuals and, and labour hire and, and, you know, an inspiring picket line that's been going for some three weeks. Now, tell us all about the dispute and I guess the significance of it. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I've visited there uh, a handful of times, so I'm certainly not speaking for the CFMEU or for the strikers, but very happy to share my impressions. Um, just to take half a step back, plasterboard, like for those not familiar, if you live in a house with walls or with ceilings, you use a product or you live and work in amongst a product that comes out of a plasterboard factory. It's an absolutely essential construction component um, for internal walls and uh, ceilings and so on. So the the labour of the uh, 75 or so workers at the Canal Plasterboard Factory in Port Melbourne um, fuels a, you know, literally a multi-billion dollar industry. They're on, I think the rates vary, but uh, like some of the workers I've chatted to are on the, the sort of mid-30s an hour, so not the lowest wage in the country, but certainly not a king's ransom. Um, and they can get a decent wage by working enormous amounts of overtime. So the um, the issue... Well, I mean, there's a bunch of issues. They want greater job security. They want, um, uh, like, guaranteed staffing levels, not just on the actual board line. They want them maintained and extended to other parts of the plant. Um there's a bunch of stuff to do with shift allowances and so on. Uh, their initial logger claims was for, uh, I think it was 6% or CPI. Um, and then the companies responded in, um, not surprisingly, an extremely aggressive fashion for a, a multi-billion dollar multinational corporation that dominates, like Knauf and CSR basically are the two big suppliers. It used to be Boral uh, got bought out or the plasterboard part of it got bought out just a couple of years ago by this um, uh, European-based company, German-based company. So they've responded by uh, having a pretty aggressive log of claims of their own, management that is, uh, which includes ripping up the quite decent protections that the workers won in the last enterprise agreement on the use of labour hire and to replace that with just a, a pretty vague... Um, you know, best endeavours type of clause. Um, and then when the workers started taking protected industrial action, you know, a couple of four-hour stoppages and some bans on uh, the use of heavy-duty forklifts, management responded by locking them out. And I think, I mean, the impression of the workers down there that I've talked to was very much the, the management just expected the workers to crumple and fold as soon as they were locked out. 
Um, and you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that brings me on to my next question, Jerome, because I mean, part of the reason we wanted to, to focus on this dispute and we'll broaden out to uh, what's happening in uh, the country's economy, you know, more widely in, in a moment. But we've gone through a long period, haven't we, where we're not really used to seeing uh, uh, picket lines and sustained uh, campaigns like this. So it, it's great to see how has the picket line been sustained, and what sort of level of support has it has it received from not only the wider community but you know other unions as well. It took morale down there, like on my perception, um, is really strong. Like after an initial, you know, I was chatting to someone down there this morning and I was like, look, initially, the first day, you're thinking, oh my God, what are we doing? And then um, both, I mean, the CFMEU especially, uh, the Construction and General Division has, um, you know, had a presence down there, has rallied a bunch of shop stewards, like had a really low, like some hundreds of of shop stewards and delegates uh, came along last Friday. And uh, just this week, um, the, between the CFMEU, the Electrical Trades Union and the Plumbers Union, I think, uh, all together put in $170,000 into the fighting fund. So, you know, people's fridges aren't going to be empty during this dispute. And certainly, you know, people are buoyed by that. Um, and a bunch of support from neighbouring workplaces like Port Melbourne, for those that don't know, is a... It, you know, there's a bit of an industrial area down there, so the concrete batching yard right next door, um, you know, has been showing support in different ways, calling past the picket line. There's a few local workplaces the same. So people are certainly heartened. R- really nice thing that happened today. There, there's another dispute happening in Melbourne. So this is uh, on Friday, at least. The, there's another dispute happening in Melbourne at the what's left of the Altona petrochemical uh, complex. There's a, a, a workplace owned by Kinos, um, used to be called Herxt. Um, and the production workers at that place have walked out for um, a decent pay rise and trying to knock a few, um, you know, not great things in the, in the enterprise agreement on the head. They've been out for a week and uh, today I sort of called in briefly at Knauf and then zipped out to Kinos to say g'day there because I hadn't been out there and all of a sudden <laughs> just about all of the Knauf workers rocked up, which is pretty unusual to see CFMEU and Australian Workers Union flags on the same picket and, of course, the workers are getting along like a house on fire and comparing notes about, you know, got any scabs in? Nah, you know, management don't know how how to operate it, so they're sort of stuck. Um, So it's sort of two pretty significant disputes, I suppose, like going for, um, like, actual improvements in the enterprise agreement and a pay rise that at least keeps up with inflation, in terms of the initial claims anyway. Um, So we'll see where those disputes land, I suppose, but pretty nice to see that very direct solidarity between the workers. It is, and, and it tells us something, uh, without getting uh, too ahead of ourselves, Jerome, about the possible uh, openings or the green shoots, if you like, uh, of a new period of, of working-class struggle in this country. Uh, I mean, the, the list is quite long, actually, of disputes and actions that have taken place this year, from early childhood educators having a national day of action. Train drivers have been on strike in Sydney. Here in Western Australia, we've had the formation of the Public Sector Alliance fighting the McGowan government uh, for higher wages at a time of high inflation. And that's really the thread that draws a lot of these disputes together, isn't it, Jerome? We're constantly reading about the cost of living crisis, as, as it's called, a manufactured crisis, really, with high profit rates and low low wages and, and high inflation. But it seems that uh, you know a lot of workers across the country are almost being forced into disputes because of the the uh, you know the difficulties of, of of the cost of living. So I guess some of the broader comments that you might have, Jerome, about what's what's happening in the country more widely, and what you know the Canaf dispute sort of says about that, some of those wider trends. 
Yeah, well, I think what you said is spot on. Like, it's very often the case that inflation can um, sharpen the class struggle, and that's certainly the case. Actually, worldwide, if you look at it, and, you know, Britain is the sort of standout case at the moment. I mean, their inflation rate is uh, about double what Australia is. So it, it, it you know, might have been a year or a couple of years ago, people would look at their pay rise and, oh, geez, it's only 2%, but, you know, oh, well, inflation's only around 2%, so it's not great, but, you know, mustn't grumble sort of thing. Now, all of a sudden, like in Britain, um, workers face a very real prospect of seeing... 10% of their real income just disappear over the next year and uh, unless they take action. So that's produced a whole series of disputes, most notably on the, the, uh, the railway systems, um, but a bunch of ballots in health and, and other sectors as well, the docks. Here, the, uh, the inflation rate is less. Um, in a way, Australian capitalism is pretty remarkably stable looking around the world, though I don't know if anyone listening looks at the Financial Review at all. There was a thing on their back page just uh, on Tuesday. It's an interview with this Macquarie analyst, uh, Victor Schwetz. This is the back page of the Financial Review and the words societal collapse, uh, massive economics and social dislocation, uh, revolutions and wars. Like this is mm. the sort of stuff they're talking about, just as a by the by in, a, in terms of a discussion of uh, where people should put their money. And they're talking about the end of this slow inflation era and the end of easy money and the you know the turmoil that that is setting off around the world so okay australia is you know not in the middle of that storm but even here the fact that you've got you know after a generation pretty much of low inflation you've got five six coming up to seven percent um has produced a bunch of disputes and you've listed a uh uh, you know, like some of the more high-profile ones, public sector workers in New South Wales, um, which are long-running disputes, you know, a day here and a day there. But, um, you know, it's it's certainly something that we haven't seen in this country for a while. In West Australia, unfortunately, I know, I know less over there, but I've seen a, a series of, um, you know, quite large rallies called by the unions over there and the health unions and so on. And then to a lesser extent... Um, the sort of thing that we're seeing at Knauf uh, and at Kinos, where, you know, for whatever reason, you know, particular groups of workers, you know, um, have decided to, you know, enough's enough. Or, you know, we've been pushed back for too long or settled for second best for too long. And with that extra um, sort of sharpening of the inflation rate and the prospect of, look, we're, we're signing a four-year deal here. You know, we don't know where inflation's going to be. So let's actually try to get some gains now. Um so, yeah, I'd love to say it's green shoots of a revival of class oil. I think it's a bit early to make that call, unfortunately, in Australia, but it's certainly this, like just having a couple of solid picket lines and confident workers who are in, pretty, in a pretty industrially strong position. They're hard to replace, the Canap workers and the Kinos workers. It's pretty skilled operations, so that probably gives them some confidence there. Hmm. Um, yeah, anyway, that's, yeah. Yep. No, I mean, it, whether they're grain show, shoots or not, it's certainly a welcome development. And of course, uh, these disputes uh, take place in the context of a new federal Labor uh, government, uh, the Albanese government, uh, who's uh, just this week, uh, his Treasurer Jim Chalmers has uh, recommitted to the stage three st- tax cuts for higher income earners. And there's, of course, the constant repetition of the theme of the need uh, to be fiscally responsible and balance the budget, you know, kind of rhetoric we've heard for, for many, many uh, years now. Uh, you've got the Andrews government over there in Victoria. And Suffice it to say, I think even a lot of Labor supporters would admit that uh, 
neither the Andrews government over there, the McGowan government here, or the federal Albanese government are doing a great deal to alleviate that cost of living crisis. Which brings me on to my next question in terms of your standing as a candidate for the North Metro region, the Upper House, uh, the Victorian Parliament, Jerome. The importance of political alternatives. I mean, even if you're not a socialist, you know, I think people would welcome uh, the running of Victorian socialists as. A, a breath of fresh air in terms of a, a you know a real political alternative. So talk to us about that. You know the crying need for that political alternative. Given, I would say anyway that so far Albanese uh, he hasn't performed terribly well. If you're concerned about social justice and higher wages and that sort of thing. Yeah, and a, and a bunch of you know progressive-looking things, but only pretty much, in my estimate, to the extent that big business are prepared to uh, tolerate it. And anything that smacks of like you know, no discussion of making industrial action easier, explicit ruling out of um, pay rises that actually keep up, let alone get ahead of inflation. That's at both state and federal level. Um, you know, beyond the the, the minimum handed out by Fair Work. Um, you know, on refugees, very little action so far. You know, and again, you wouldn't rule out that there might be some changes at the margins, but very much it's an agenda dictated by big business and constrained by what big business are, are prepared to tolerate. So certainly um, no break from the sort of labour that we've become used to over the last, you know, 30 years and more since the uh, accord, I suppose, uh, back in the day when, you know, a very... Uh, effectively enforced system of class collaboration, you know, was basically imposed on the Australian working class at a top level. So no break with that. In terms of Victorian socialists, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's always hard to tell. Like you get, um, like the, it's when you hit people with a pitch about how, how not to win a vote north of the Ring Road, anyway, in the sort of working class, uh, you know, more working class suburbs. Uh, of Northern Melbourne, how not to win a vote when someone opens the door and you're door knocking is to say, oh, look, there's an election coming up. We've got some very fine policies, you know, I'm one of the candidates, you know, we'd like to vote. No, all of that tells a lot of people this is just going to be more of the same. And so if you have a different opening, which says, I'm not sure if you've heard of Victorian socialists before, we think it's absolutely crazy that the billionaires have doubled their wealth in a couple of years in this country. We haven't doubled aged care. We haven't doubled hospital care. Mm. Everything's the wrong way up. We're not promising that we can fix that just by clicking our heels together, but we're up for some, you know, we're serious about trying to build a people-powered movement to claw some of that wealth and some of that power back from the corporate elite. If you get people with a version of that, doors stay open, people will give you a listen, a lot of people will respond positively to that. Um, and we found that, the, like, you know, the federal election, there was a I spent a bunch of the day in Craigieburn West, which is a it's a growth suburb. Like there's never been a socialist campaign in, in Craigieburn before. So and you're talking to a lot of first time voters, a lot of people who've never heard of us before and hitting them with that sort of thing. And you're talking to um you're talking to airport workers, logistics workers, teachers, aged care workers, nurses, health uh, you know, health workers, cleaners and so on. Um and you know, from a standing start, we were winning 6%, 8% votes like that on a bunch of booths in the working class suburbs of Melbourne. So that is the sort of number that actually puts us in the mix, certainly no guarantees, but puts us in the mix for um, actually getting either myself or Liz Walsh in the Western Metro uh, elected to the Victorian Parliament. And we're under no illusion that, you know, one or two socialists in the parliament can rain down uh, social justice, let alone socialism, on, upon the population. But in terms of building, uh, you know, a, a, a working class 
movement that fights and you know argues and um, you, you know organises along class lines and thinks that's important. Um, we think that having those positions in that enemy territory down in Parliament House could be a real uh, step forward for the socialist movement in this country. So we'll see how we go. Um, but yeah, it's it's. It's a great experience, actually, just going around knocking on doors. And sometimes it's a hard slog, but oftentimes you just find people that will nod along with everything that you say and then add to the list and then open up about the situation that they're facing, either with aged care or health care or, or um, you know, just the, the, the difficulty of surviving Like is the number one thing that comes up when you ask people, OK, I've given you my pitch. What's relevant to you? What, what are you looking for in this election? And just people who have had their head just above water, it seems forever, and they're seeing rents rise, they're seeing mortgages rise, they're seeing prices rise, they're seeing petrol you know, remain at sky-high levels and with no effective relief coming from the government. And people are willing to listen and willing to give an alternative a try. And then, you know, from there we'll see. Like, uh, no-one's been in a position for quite a while to really try to build at a, at a large scale a working class socialist movement in the you know in the working class suburbs of major Australian cities um, so we've got a lot to learn about um, you know what that looks like is that possible what are some steps towards it um, but Victorian socialist is certainly a pretty large scale and serious project um, to take a few steps along those lines.